Today's guest story is a rags to riches to riches roller coaster. After a successful life in business, he became homeless and penniless before rebuilding his life in a much better and happier way. He's a speaker, teacher, author, and researcher. Welcome to the show, Liam. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, Toby. Thanks very much for having me on your show. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm really grateful that we are, you know, we were able to fix this up and I'm so glad that I'm going to learn so much from you from your life experience also and that's what I would love us to jump into immediately like I would love to learn so much from your personal experience of trying everything to achieve success and then losing everything and becoming homeless in your mid-40s like would you love to share this story with us like how did you go about this roller coaster of life? Sure well yeah as, as you you just said um, in my mid-40s I went from being a multi-millionaire and doing pretty well financially, I thought, and in, in most areas, to literally almost overnight becoming homeless. And I had to move in with my elderly mother. I had to <clears throat> move into a small apartment and sleep on the sofa in her living room, which wasn't very comfortable. <laughs> but, but really, that experience, I remember when I was actually going through it, one of the things I kept asking myself was, why has this happened to me? How could this have happened to me? Because... By that stage of my life, I'd studied a lot when it comes to understanding all of the traditional methods anyway of success, Mm -hmm. because not only had I had many different businesses and become financially well off and and had a lot of good things like that, but I'd always been a student of success. I'd always been trying to find out how can I learn more? How can I be more? How can I have more control over my life? How can I be happier? How can I achieve, basically achieve more? Mm-hmm. So I'd studied everything from religion to philosophy to all sorts of different self-help, personal development, self-improvement type strategies. So, I mean, I'd, I'd been to seminars all over the world. Mm-hmm. I'd been on lots of courses, read lots of books, bought lots of, rec- you know, in those days, tapes and, and videos and, and recordings of programs and and everything to do with goal setting, to changing your beliefs, reprogramming your mind, changing your subconscious mind, motivation, and all sorts of strategies and techniques in between. And mm-hmm. I tried spirituality, all sorts of different spiritual practices. And all of these things, the reason I tried them was because they suggested to me that they knew something about how I could be more successful. So I was yeah. always learning about this whole area of success and and self-improvement so of course by the time I got to my mid-40s and and when I lost everything the reason I asked why has this happened to me is because I knew a lot an awful lot about how to take control of your life how to be in control of your life how to change your beliefs and your thoughts how to achieve your goals so I thought this should never have happened to me because this wasn't this wasn't on my goals list You end up with nothing. But it was almost like all of the previous years, work, study, research, trying different things and and, and gathering all this knowledge and information. Mm. It's like it was all a complete waste of time because I I literally ended up having to start all over again. Mm. So that was interesting. But but what happened after that, in many ways, was more interesting because I did go get through it and I did build my life back. But I built my life back in a much better way a much different sort of way. And what I started to notice was, well, well, what I started to do was I started to set up new businesses and, and make money, mm-hmm. earning enough money to really give me all the comfort I needed and do everything I wanted to do with my life yeah. and enjoy my life. Mm-hmm. And, but as part of that, what I noticed was there was a big difference because Whereas before, I'd always been chasing after success. You know, I'd been setting goals. I'd been trying to figure out what to do to earn more and to have more mm. and, and doing courses and le- learning more, getting more information on better ways to do things, mm. better ideas, and working on changing my beliefs. So I've been, I've been really working on all of this stuff on how, and, and really I suppose you'd say I've been chasing after success and I was continually looking for more and more success. Yeah. But with that, at the same time, the other thing I noticed, this is my life before my mid-40s, mm-hmm. was I had a lot of problems. I had a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. And it seemed the more successful I became, 
the more problems I had, the more stress I had. And I just thought what everybody around, or what I'd read and what people were saying was, you know, that's the price of success. Mm. If you want to be happy, if you want to be rich and successful, you have to put up with a lot of struggle. You have to overcome struggle. You have Mm. to deal with challenges and Mm. conquer these these things. That's what success is all about. Life comes with problems. That's Mm. just the way it is. Mm. But afterwards, when I was rebuilding my life in this way where I wasn't chasing success, but good things were happening, I realized I didn't have stress and problems. And instead of chasing after success, it was almost like success was coming to me because the right ideas would come to me. And I'd say, well, that's a good idea. I'll act on that. And it worked. Or a person or people or circumstances or opportunities, it's like they just showed up out of the blue. Mm-hmm. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a coincidence or luck or, or something like that. Yeah. But I thought, but this is really strange because I'm not chasing after success, but success is chasing after me. Mm. And I thought, <clears throat> yeah, and I really thought the most amazing thing about this was I'm actually really happy. I'm not yeah. stressed. Mm-hmm. I'm not waking up in the mornings dreading opening my email <laughs> or dreading switching on the answer phone and thinking and thinking all night, oh, I've got all these problems to deal with, all this, all these things I have to fix on my quest, you know, to build my build bigger businesses or become more successful. Yeah. I didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. I could wake up in the morning being excited, looking forward to the day, mm-hmm. and filling my day with things I really enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't have what you would call stress and problems. Sounds mm-hmm. a bit weird, doesn't it? But this yeah. is the truth. Oh, that's so I thought, I thought, now I, know, I want to know what the difference is. What am I doing mm-hmm. that's working? Because it's obviously very different to what I used to do. Mm-hmm. So I need to figure this out because I don't want to stop doing it. I want yeah. to make sure I, I keep doing the, the right things so I keep getting the right results, yeah. living a life without, with success mm-hmm. but without stress and problems and really enjoying my life and yeah. feeling in control of my life. And anyway, that, that's what led me on to what I'm doing now, which is really helping people understand how we really get the results we do in our life. Because mm-hmm. remember, I'd studied all of these things, but I still ended up with the wrong results. Mm-hmm. I still ended up with stress and problems, mm-hmm. not achieving a lot of my goals, and in the end, losing everything. Mm-hmm. So that didn't work for me, all that stuff. But somehow what I was doing something different that was working. Mm-hmm. And that's what I share with people now and, and what I'm hopefully, and obviously going to share with you and your listeners on, on this show. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. That's, that's so amazing. And once you, you talked about, you know, towards the end, um, problems, like, you know, for us, we believe, as it, for us, yeah, I mean, a lot of us believe that, yeah, problems are, are natural, like, yeah, that since you, you come across, like you said, also, and, you know, you've been able to overcome that problem, you know, you know, leads you to success, basically. But in your opinion, do you think that's, that's okay? Is that, is that the right motive towards it? And why do you think we, we have problems generally in life? Well, here's the funny thing. You know, when I started to do all this research about <clears throat> what I was doing differently, I thought I'm going to start with the basics here about trying to figure out who I am and how I function. Mm. And that's a big question. And, of course, many people have written books and there have been philosophies, even religions, around trying to to share an opinion or an idea about who we are. Mm -hmm. But one thing I I thought I know for certain is that I have a physical body. I'm a physical being. I exist in a physical world. I'm a a part of a living species Mm -hmm. surrounded by other living species. I'm in this natural world. Mm -hmm. So maybe I can understand what I'm doing differently and who I am and how I function on a physical level. And here's to answer your question, what are problems? Are pro- and, and more specifically, are problems natural? Are problems a natural part of life? And the, way we, and the fact is they're not. Human beings are the only creatures, species, that has problems. We're the only ones that experience stress. Problems are not a natural part of life. And the reason why that is and why it's, it's not just an idea, this is why it's logical that this is, is because Biologically, we are programmed with, the, with one aim, and that is to survive. The mm. main function of all biological life, including our own, is to survive. Mm. And the best way that we survive, along with every other species, is when we are at our best. Mm. You know, when, and science has a word for this called homeostasis. 
homeostasis means the optimum functioning of the organism. So when we're functioning optimally, in other words, when we're at our best, we have the greatest chance for survival. Yeah. So that's true physically. You know, when we're strongest and healthiest, we mm. fight disease or we heal, heal more quickly from, from disease or we can fight off dangers. Mm. But it's also for us mentally and emotionally. When we're at our best mentally and emo- emotionally, that's when we have the greatest chance for survival as well because that's when we're creative, resourceful, we come up with new ideas to contribute not only to our own survival but to the survival of others, of other people. Mm, mm. So biologically, we're designed to be the best that we can be, mm. which means to be happy, means to be feeling really good. Mm. That's literally our biological purpose because that contributes our happiness and mm. feeling good contributes to our survival. Yeah. So that's why it's natural. So mm-hmm. what are problems? Problems don't make you feel good. Problems make you feel bad. Mm-hmm. And there's a deeper reason why problems are not natural, which I'll explain when I talk about how the brain works. But when you really think about it, how does having a problem help your biological survival? Does it help you last longer? They don't. Yeah. Problems create stress, anxiety, and all of those things weaken you. They mm-hmm. actually take you away from your biological purpose. They make you more vulnerable to disease or they make you weaker so you can't fend off an attacker, and you don't come up with good ideas when you're feeling stressed either, which is, again, how to do with how the brain works. So on a really logical level, problems have no biological purpose. So we could almost say problems are, are unnatural. Mm-hmm. And what I've discovered through my research is that problems actually are the sign that you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. because your brain is a mechanism that has been given to you for the sole purpose of making you the best that you can be so that you have the greatest chance for survival. Mm-hmm. Your brain is the, I call it a machine, because it is a biological machine. All it's there to do is to give you the best life possible so that you have the greatest chance for survival. That's its biological function. Mm-hmm. So, But because it's a machine, if it's not used the right way, or if there's something malfunctioning in it what what happens problems are the result yeah it's a bit like a car you know a car is a machine and you know that it's got a very specific purpose that's mm-hmm. to get you from where you are to where you want to be mm-hmm. and it will do do its job mm-hmm. efficiently effectively really and enjoyably for you as well mm-hmm. if you know firstly that that is the job of the car to do that so you don't interfere with it yeah and secondly you drive it the right way. You use it the right way. But if you interfere with it and if you don't drive it properly, what's going to happen? You're going to end up with problems in the car. You're not going to have a, a, a joyful experience on your sure. journey. Mm-hmm. You know, the engine might blow up or something might go wrong or all of those things. So all problems are with any machine is a sign that it's not being used the right way mm-hmm. and it's malfunctioning in some way. Mm-hmm. And that's what I discovered more and more as I thought, well, why don't, you know, an answer to this, question I had, why is my life not stressful? Why don't I have problems? I'm mean, sure I had things I had to, to do, but they weren't stressful problems. And I thought, so what's the difference? It must be using this machine a different way because that is the outcome of using a machine. And your brain is, operates just like a car in that regard. If you use it the right way, it does its job. Mm-hmm. And your brain's job is to make sure you don't have problems because problems don't help you survive. They do the opposite. So it's trying to stop you from having problems. Mm. But if you don't use it the right way, it is going to create problems. It's inevitable. That's true. That means once I'm able to make the best use of that brain, of of my brain machine, for example, I'll be able to get rid of problems, get rid of um, fear and anxiety in my life also. Absolutely. Fear and anxiety are a sign you're using the brain the wrong way as well. And when you understand how the machine works, there's actually four parts to the brain. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when you understand what those four parts do and how they're designed to work, mm-hmm. what most people realize is, wow, I didn't know that it's totally makes total sense that that's how it's supposed to work. And I can't believe that I've been using it the wrong way. But mm-hmm. no one's ever told me how to use it the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, people say to you, you say, I'd like to drive a car, please. Okay, but you need to take lessons. You need to learn how to do it. True. There's no way I'm going to let you into my car so you can drive it if you, if you don't know how to drive. <laughs> and it's, but why is it with our brain 
we're not we're not told well you need to learn how to use your brain so that it does its biological job of making sure that you have the best life possible mm-hmm. that's literally what it's there for mm-hmm. wow so kind yeah that's true and so now i'm really excited to you know learn from you like kind of tell me or tell us about the four parts of the brain and how can we make the best use of these four parts of the brain so that we don't drive ourselves wrongly <laughs> like you can sure well you know, I've done a lot of research into the brain, <coughs> and, the, and obviously it's a very complex machine. Mm. But the great thing is you don't need to know the, the names or the functions of absolutely everything in your brain to get it to work. Just like with a car, you don't need to know the names of all the labels. You don't even need to know what the bits do. But you just need to know a few basics about how it works and how to use it the right way and how to drive it the right way, and it's going to work beautifully. And that's the good thing about your brain. So I've actually created a model that is based on science and there's lots of technical words and descriptions of the, the things in the brain that I'm talking about. But I've, broke, I've turned it into a model which is easy to understand without technical jargon, if you like, with, without technical explanation. Yeah. So essentially, and because then it's easy to understand and then, you, then people go, great, well, I know how to use it now. Great. I'll, and I'll get, the, I'll get the result it's designed to give me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there are four parts to your brain. The first part is your thinking brain. Now, your thinking brain, which is located on the top of your head, the whole purpose of this part of your brain is to take every bit of information that's coming into your environment through your five senses, so everything you see, smell, taste, touch, and also all of your thoughts and ideas that you have, it takes all of that information and it stores it in basically a big library or database in your brain. That's what the thinking brain does. It's a library of all of your experience, all of the information you've gathered throughout your life and are continuing together on a moment-by-moment basis right up until present. Mm-hmm. It's a thinking brain. The second part is your emotional brain or your feeling brain. Mm-hmm. And this is pretty obvious. This is the part of the brain, part of your brain, that creates your emotions. It's responsible for creating chemicals that determine how you feel whether from really good, you know, loving, creative, happy, excited, to negative emotions like fear, unhappiness, anxiety, worry, stress, those things. Mm -hmm. That's all handled by your emotional brain. The third part of the brain is the survival brain. This is actually located at the back of the head. And the thing about the survival brain, as the name suggests, what this does is this manages everything to do with your survival. Everything that's automatic about you, okay? Mm-hmm. So and from the physical um, things that need to happen for you to stay alive, like your breathing, your heart rate, all your organs functioning, all of those things, these are managed by your survival brain, mm-hmm. obviously without you having to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's one other very important part of the survival brain, or, or sorry, of your survival that is managed by the survival brain, and that is in your life, the way you're supposed to operate Normally, in a, in a natural world, is you're supposed to be going along, being the best that you can be. Remember, that's what your brain is designed to do, to make you the best you can be. Mm. However, on the odd, very rare occasion, you might be faced with a, a threat to your survival or something that could harm you, something unexpected. So it could be a, in, the, in prehistoric times, the lion rushes out from behind a rock mm. and roars at you. Now, what the survival brain does then is it kicks in this thing which we sometimes call the fight-flight-freeze mechanism to get you to instantly and without thinking react to eliminate that danger. So if the lion comes running at you, your brain brain gets you to react. So you either shout out for help or you run away or you stand to defend yourself. Whatever it is, that's your survival brain instinct managing you to deal with an immediate threat. And then the idea is you get rid of that immediate threat and then you go back to being the best that you can be and, you know, give yourself the greatest chance for survival. Mm. Because, of course, eliminating dangers and threats gives you the greatest chance for survival as well. So you do need to get rid of that. Mm. So, so that's good. That's, that's a wonderful mechanism that we have in the, in the su- uh, survival brain. Yeah. But the fourth part of the brain, and this has more recently been discovered and researched and identified by science, as being a very important part. It's actually the most important part because this is the part that manages you being the best that you can be. It manages the rest of your system 
to make sure you strive to be the best that you can be. And this is what I call the creative brain. And the creative brain is where you get things like your imagination, your creativity. Mm. It's where, you know, composers of music talk about, they heard the music and then they wrote it down. And they don't know where the music came from, or they're a writer and they don't know where the words came from. Mm. It just appeared. Mm. Now, it didn't come from their thoughts, it didn't come from their feelings, it came from this other part of their brain, their creative brain. Mm. But your creative brain also is the part that gives you that gut feeling about whether you're making the right decision or not. And it helps you make right decisions and avoid making wrong decisions if you listen to this little voice, sometimes we call it. Yeah. And it's also the part that manages your motivation and all of your resourcefulness. It's where you get new ideas about, oh, I've just sort of a better way to do something. I'll do it. And it works. Mm. The other thing your creative brain does is it manages your environment on a much greater level than we realize. So things that we call chance events, luck, coincidence, synchronicity, mm. these are all actually events managed by our creative brain because it has the power to do that. And remember, it's there to give us everything we need to have the best life possible, including the right circumstances, the right people, mm. the right situations. Yeah. So this is all managed by the creative brain. And here's how you're supposed to live when you're using your brain the right way. Mm-hmm. You live in that state nearly all the time. You're feeling good, you're feeling resourceful, you're feeling great, you're making the right decisions, mm-hmm. you're seeing through the, um, the, the, seeing the big picture about what to do, you're coming up with good ideas, opportunities are coming to you that are right for you, mm-hmm. and you act on them, you meet people that are right for you, mm-hmm. and you act and you relate to them accordingly. That's how, you, that's how you thrive, that's how you create the best life possible, that's the state that gives you the greatest chance for survival. True. But there's only one time when that's not appropriate to be like that, and that is when the lion runs out of the forest at you. Yeah. And what happens then, your brain, when it recognizes that you've got an immediate threat to your survival, Mm -hmm. it takes all of the resources from the rest of your brain and the rest of your body to fight and deal with that immediate threat or danger. Mm. But one of the things it does is it shuts down your creative brain. Because your creative brain, it needs the energy from your creative brain to help. It needs every bit of energy it can get to deal with the threat. But the other thing about your creative brain is that none of the things that are in it are necessary or even desirable when you're facing an immediate threat. So you've been creative, imaginative, resourceful, all of those things, they're not helpful when you're facing a lion about to eat you. So In fact, they can be harmful because if you're thinking, well, hang on, maybe there's something I'm not seeing here or maybe the lion isn't so bad after all. I mean, after all, it looks a beautiful animal. Look how beautiful it is. (laughs) So none of that is going to help you. In fact, that's going to hurt you. So that part of your brain is shut off. But here's the problem. This is why people have problems. Because what happens when when the lion runs out to you, your brain says, There's an immediate danger, and the signal that produces that you're facing an immediate danger is the feeling of fear or stress or worry. Mm -hmm. That's your brain saying, you've got an immediate danger, shut down all your creativity and focus on dealing with an immediate problem, getting rid of it as fast as possible so you can go back to living living in your thriving state. Mm -hmm. But what people don't realize is when you're in that state, when you're feeling stressed, afraid, worried, your brain is saying you're faced with an immediate threat. But most of the time, people are not faced with an, an immediate threat. There's something not about to eat them or hurt them, but, mm. but their brain is telling them that there is. Mm. And, and the problem is, in that state, when you're feeling fear, stress, and worry, your brain has shut off all your creative resources. Mm. So if you've got a problem, if you've got an issue, a decision you have to make, mm. or something that's going wrong in your life, the part that can solve that problem, the part that knows the right things to do and, and can bring the right circumstances to you, is not available to you. It's all it's shut true. off. It's true. So this is why people struggle, because they're trying to figure out things when they're in a state of fear, mm. using the reactive part of their brain and not using any of the real resources of the brain that are designed to, to actually figure that stuff out. It's, it's just not available. Yeah. And we see this all the time with people you know, you look at people with a problem and you say, well, that's what you should do. And they can't see it. Or mm. they, and they justify why they're not doing the right thing. Oh, mm. I, can't le- I can't fire that person or I can't close that part of my business down or I can't leave that relationship. 
Mm. I'm going to struggle and stay and make it work and be determined and I'm so motivated mm. because they can't see that that's the wrong answer, that the right answer is they do need to leave that mm. situation. They do need to move on or they need to make another decision that is going to fix that situation permanently. Mm. You can see it because your, your survival brain, your fear is not activated when you look at someone else. So you can see the clear picture about them. Yeah. But seeing it about yourself when you're in a stressed state, you can't see it because your brain is not allowing you to see it. Your mm. brain is only focused on a danger, on, on the danger, on the threat. That's all it can see. Daily Climb Podcast, where we explore personal growth, mindset, and productivity strategies to help you pursue your passions. My name is Ariel, and I'm so passionate about helping young adults actually feel excited to wake up in the morning and to create the life of their dreams. So I want you to make sure that you tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for tips and inspiration so that you can climb. I can't wait to see how you grow. So how, how can we keep how can we keep all four parts of our brains activated so that we're able to make the right decisions and be successful in, in life? Like how can we make sure the, all parts of the brains are working together and one part or survival is not shutting off the creative part or the thinking part or the emotional parts of our brains? Well, it's very simple, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You have to eliminate fear. You have to get rid of fear. You have to get rid of fear, stress, and anxiety from your life, except when you're faced with an immediate threat to your survival. Mm. that's the only time we're biologically designed to feel fear is when mm. we're faced with, and doesn't that make sense? Why would we, we be worried about something that, that wasn't going to hurt us? Mm. Why, but we imagine that it could hurt us. So we've yeah. trained our brain to think that something we watch on the television news could hurt, hurt us in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the war over there, our brain is saying, oh, there's a war going on. That means you might get killed. Now that's mm. totally illogical. Mm. And it's, not going to happen, but you can't see that when you're in a, a fearful state But because that is what your brain is doing. So the, the most important things to do really, firstly, is understand that this is how your brain works. There mm-hmm. are three things. First thing is understand how your brain works. Just like a car, when you realize that fear is the problem and that fear and anxiety and stress and worry, which are part of fear, mm-hmm. that they're blocking you from from the part of your brain that is going to create your ideal life for you, you can never create your ideal life when you're from a state of fear. Mm. I found that out earlier in my life <laughs> from my previous experience. You can never do it. It's just not the way the machine's designed to work. Mm. So when you realize that, just like a car, you go, well, I, I know how it works now. And no matter how justified you feel and no matter how you, what your situation is, when you realize that that, that is stopping you, you, mm. you make it your mission. You've got to find a way to get rid of fear. Yeah. And... There are ways to do that. Well, the two things you have to do. First, you have to stop putting fear in. Mm. And, and people say, well, I can't. I'm in this terrible situation. Yeah. But you have a choice. You can turn that television off. You can change the subject in a conversation. You can end a relationship with a person, whether it be a business relationship or a personal one or whatever. You can end a relationship that makes you feel bad. You don't have to be there. You have that choice. And if you realize that anything that makes you feel bad is shutting off your brain's ability to provide you with the life that's going to be perfect for you, aren't you going to make that your mission? Aren't you going to see that as the most important thing you could do is to get rid of those things that are blocking your brain from creating your ideal life? That's it. And then the third thing you need to do, and this is what I teach through a process called neurostate rebalancing, you have to retrain your brain to see the difference between something that really is life-threatening or harmful to you mm. and something that is imaginary, mm. like the bomb going off on the other side of the world. That's an imaginary danger, but your yeah. brain thinks it's real because of all of the stuff that you've been using your thinking brain for in your lifetime, it's come up with this idea that you know wars are dangerous to you, mm-hmm. true. Which, is, which isn't necessarily true. But So mm. you need to retrain your brain, and this is what I've created, this process, Neurostate Rebalancing. Because your brain wants to see, it doesn't want to see imaginary fears. It only wants to see real ones because that's, that's what it's designed to protect you from. It can protect you from the lion coming at you or a, 
I don't know, someone running up to you with their fist raised, it can protect you from that. It's what it's designed to do. But it can't protect you from a bomb dropping on the other side of the world making you feel bad because that's an imaginary fear. So you need to train your brain to see the difference. And really, the more you do this, because people say, well, I, I can't get rid of fear. I've got so many terrible things going on in my life. Yeah. Remember, I was homeless. Mm. I ended up homeless. I had, I'd, if you think you've got problems, it wasn't like I didn't have a problem. But what I didn't realize is I managed to use that experience to get rid of my fear. Mm. And that was what unlocked this creative part of my brain and, and enabled me to make much better decisions, attract much better circumstances and situations, and get my life actually working, not only for the benefit of me, but mm. for everybody I care about or, and cared about and everyone around me. Yeah. Like, and that's why I'm here sharing this with you and, and I've shared it with many other people. Mm. I wouldn't be able to do this if I hadn't, if my creative brain wasn't, wasn't showing me all the stuff and that's bringing true. me the right circumstances to do it. So it's not just for your benefit. It's not being selfish to say, I've got, you know, I've got to get rid of fears and, it, it, and I've got to be ruthless. Mm. But you do have to be a bit ruthless because if someone gave you a glass of hydrochloric acid and said, drink this, you'd say, no, thanks. And they, they say, why not? Mm-hmm. Oh, because I know it's going to damage me. I know it's yeah. going to really damage me. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, I t- but I'll give you $10 million. And honestly, if you believe and if you trust and if you're really motivated and you're determined and you tell yourself that it won't, it won't harm you, then it won't harm you. Mm-hmm. And you go, no, no, no hang on. I know, yeah. I'm a bit more sensible than that. I'm not that stupid. <laughs> I know I know it's going to harm me. So there's no way I'm going to allow that into my life, mm-hmm. that hydrochloric acid. You've got to have the same attitude towards what stuff you're putting into your brain that, with, and if it's making you feel bad. So we have to filter what we input into our lives, like what we allow into our lives, basically, fear included, like the information that we allow to settle into our brains. We have to make sure that we filter it and ensure that we don't allow or create a space for fear in our lives. Yeah, as much as we can. Yeah. Because we, if you feel fear, which is anxiety, stress, worry, all of those things, mm-hmm. the second you feel it, your brain is switched out of your creative state into the survival state, and mm-hmm. the survival state is not designed. It, it can't give you what you want in your life. You'll never be happy mm-hmm. when, if you live in that state. And all it is is it's activated on a physical level, something called the sympathetic nervous system. That's what gets activated when you feel fear, stress, or, or worry. Mm-hmm. And that shuts down your creative, resourceful um, power. Yeah. I would love to learn so much more about this neurostate rebalancing and how we could make use of it to rewire our brains and maybe to also enhance our brain power. Can you explain a little bit how that works? Yeah, well, essentially, neurostate rebalancing is a process which firstly gets you to identify what fears you actually have. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people say, I'm not afraid. I don't have fear. What do you mean? I I have a lot of stress and problems, but I don't have any fear. Mm. If you have stress and problems, there are underlying fears that are the cause of that because your brain in this fearful state, the problems and the stress are really the the symptoms. They're the Mm. result Mm. of this fear that you have. Mm. So even though you're not aware aware of what your fears are, your brain has some fears stuck in there. Mm-hmm. So you need to identify what they are. You need to find out what your brain is afraid of, even if you're not. Mm-hmm. So that's really important. And when you do, then you can start to look at them and say, I never realized I was afraid of that. Or actually what happens more usually is you go, that's right. I, I am afraid of that. I, I didn't think of it like that, but I realize now I have always been had that fear. Mm-hmm. And just by bringing it out into the open, you can, it, it's, it um, really loses loses excuse me, loses a lot of its power just when you recognize that you have it. Mm. And then you can go into this process um, more deeply when you can resolve that fear. You can teach your brain that it's nothing to be afraid of. All your life you might have been afraid of this thing that you weren't aware of and your brain has been trying to protect you from it by keeping you in this fear-based state. Mm. But once your brain can start to see that it's nothing to be afraid of, then it will release it. And then you won't have that fear anymore. And you can live, you'll live your life and you won't feel afraid and you won't, and you won't have those times when you feel stressed and worried and you don't even know why you're feeling stressed and worried. <laughs> True.
So the point I'm really making is fear is the enemy. Fear affects you on a physiological level. Fear is only designed to be used in, for one very specific purpose mm. to help you survive. It's not designed to, to deal with problems or or you know your life situation. That's handled by your creative brain. Your creative brain is <clears throat> literally saying to you, please get out of the way and let me do my job of bringing the, you the life that you're, you're here to have. And if you try and use your thinking brain to figure out what your life should be like, again, that's all based on fear. Your thinking brain doesn't know. Your thinking brain is just a collection of information based on your past experience. But that might not be helpful and probably isn't in, in showing you what you, you really need and want to be happy yeah. and thrive. That could, yeah. It's probably going to be something completely different. It was yeah. for me. Yeah. You know, what, everything I thought I needed and wanted and had on my goals list they, if I ever got them, which wasn't very often, they didn't make me happy. But when I stopped doing a goals list and allowed my creative brain to come up with stuff, with ideas, mm. they ended up being things that made me much happier. <laughs> and there's yeah. a little clue here. Mm. People say, oh, this is all a load of below, <laughs> a load of, this, this is nonsense. Well, I think if you think about it from a, a logical, biological purpose, you'll realize this is all absolutely true. It makes total sense. Mm. But here's another thing. Many people believe in the Bible. You know, they're Christians, a lot, of the, a lot of the population of the world. In fact, most people in the world, a large percentage, belong to some religion or other. Yeah. And the basic teaching of virtually every religion is not to have fear. Mm-hmm. The Bible says more than 360 times, have no fear, be not afraid, have faith. Now, it's not saying that because it's not saying, please try not to be afraid or try not to be afraid as often or, you know, it's not a good idea. I don't want you to feel afraid. It's not saying anything like that. It's an instruction. Be not afraid. And the reason it's saying that is because that's how you're supposed to live because you, your brain doesn't function properly when you're in fear. It's mm-hmm. only designed to be used when something's going to eat you or harm you. So even in the Bible, we're told how to use our brain the right way. Our brains, and, uh, sorry, the Bible says, Jesus says in the Bible, give no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Mm. Do not be anxious. Do not worry about what you shall eat, drink, or wear. They will all be provided for you. Doesn't, um, don't all of the birds and, and lilies of the field, aren't they provided for? How much greater are you? How much are you going to be provided for? Mm. What it's saying is, don't be afraid. Trust. Fear is your survival brain, which is only designed to get rid of danger. Trust is your creative brain. When you understand who you are and you let go and allow this part of your brain, this, in, this infinite part of your brain, to do the job. When you understand that's what its job is and that's how your brain works, you trust it just like a car. You don't get out of a car every five seconds and check the, check the engine to see if it's running right. You just trust it's going to do its job. Mm. And you think, well, anyone who gets out and, tr- and, and doesn't trust it to do its job, that they don't, don't have a clue about how it works, obviously. <laughs> they don't understand. Yeah. That's what it's designed to do. And, and it really is exactly how you're set up mm. on a biological level. Oh, that's good. It makes a lot of sense, yeah. So if, if I'm able to, you know, get rid of fear, eliminate um, anxiety from my life, for example, will I be able to, you know, once I've been able to study and master this neurostates rebalancing and I've enhanced the power of my brain, will I be able to, uh, you know, create an ideal life for myself and achieve success in life also absolutely that's what you're biologically designed to do mm-hmm. and if you're not thriving everything in nature is thriving you know that yes there's birth and death and life and life and death and decay and growth but that's the rhythm of life but there's no struggle mm-hmm. in an ideal environment every every living species thrives and we have the ability of, as humans to create our ideal environment our brain not only it's not we're not like a plant that is stuck on the side of the road that doesn't have a choice over its environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, that plant will still do the best it can to survive. And also, you know, an animal might not be in its ideal environment, but it will try and create shelter or do what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. But nature, when it is in its env- ideal environment, thrives. Mm-hmm. It's, it's being the best that it can be. It's not stressed and worried and wondering where the next meal is coming from. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. But as humans, we have the ability to create our brain as the ability to create for us our ideal environment. That's what it's designed to do. So 
this is the natural way of living. This is the way all nature lives. And this is your opportunity, really, when you use your brain the right way, to get in the rhythm of life. It's all often called being in the flow, mm. being in the zone. Mm. That's what it is. It's being in the natural rhythm of life, which is what you're designed biologically to be. Yeah. And how would problems and um, how would problems fit into that? They don't. They mm. have no place in your ideal life. But you have to learn that this is how your brain works, and, you have, and therefore, when you when you do know, you trust it to do its job. Mm. So you you don't worry about what's going to happen, mm. or if you've got enough, you're going to have enough, or if you have enough. Mm-hmm. You just know. And this is what I do to the best of my ability because I'm not perfect either, but I know how it works. Mm -hmm. The right things will show up at the right time. I don't need to get stressed and worried about it. It's going to show up. I'll make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. I won't make the wrong decisions. And if something doesn't turn out as I expect, well, that's because my creative brain knows how things should turn out, Mm -hmm. not my thinking brain. Mm -hmm. If I think something should be a certain way and and it turns out not to be that way, then that's not a mistake. On my part, that's just my brain working differently to, to what I think it is. It's like when I lost everything and became homeless, that wasn't a mistake. That wasn't a problem. That was a, well, it was at the time. It felt like it. Mm. But that was a, a vital part of my growth and learning to get me to a place where I can be sharing all of this because I wouldn't know the first thing about what I'm talking about if I hadn't been through that experience mm. and tried to figure out what I was doing differently. That's you know, true. So was it a problem or was it a gift? A, it was gift. a gift, a gift, a big yeah. gift, yeah. And I'm so glad, um, Leon, that you are making use of this gift to also bless the world, like impact the world, you know, help people to be able to tap into the power of their brain to also lead a life that, you know, is in flow in sync with the reason why they are created also. That's so wonderful. Thank you so much for what you do. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, I, I, I love sharing it because it's so true. And, and the tragedy is we've all been sold a com- completely the wrong ideas mm. and Unfortunately, marketers and uh, people of influence, they know how the brain works. And they know how if they, that if they want to influence you to do something, to buy their product or vote for them in an election or, you know, do something that, that they want you to do, the way they do it is, is make, put you in a state of fear. Mm. Because when you're in a state of fear in your survival brain, you, they, you feel your brain is naturally looking for solutions. So if they say, well, you feel really bad, but if you buy my product or if you buy this house or buy this car or have this marriage, you will feel wonderful. And your survival brain goes, right, I need that. I need to buy that. I need to have it. So it keeps the old consumer world running around. It's, it's, that's what human behavior is about. Mm. That's true. Wow. I like Leon, I feel like there are a lot of more secrets that we could learn about the brain because you, you know, opening my eyes now to, you know, the four parts of the brain makes me feel like there are still more things that we, we don't know about the brain that needs to be taught. I like, so I did things like that so that you can share with us, like some more secrets on how to make the best use of the brain to 100% capacity that's possible ever. <laughs> well, it's really, that, I mean, really that's the essence of it. Mm-hmm. And anything which is that, when you when you your brain is designed to keep your brain has the power the ability and the purpose to make you the best that you can be mm. that includes being happy and fulfilled loving creative resourceful as well as physically the best that you can be mm-hmm. that's what the brain's purpose is mm. but the way it works <coughs> excuse me is the part of the brain that that does that doesn't operate in a state of fear mm-hmm. because fear is only designed for when your face is a, is a, your brain's reaction to an immediate threat that's why it makes you afraid. The brain literally says, something dangerous is about to eat you, signal as fear, act in a certain way to react, and then get rid of the fear, get rid of the bad feelings, and go back to being your normal self. It really is as simple as that. And I think, you know, it's, it's more difficult to learn how to drive a car than yeah. your own brain, really. <laughs> yeah, but we don't believe it. We think, mm-hmm. oh, no, I can't get rid of fear or frustration. I've got all these problems in my life. I can't just turn around and say, oh, I don't feel stressed anymore. <laughs> and that's part of the problem. Of course, you can't just turn around and say, I'm, I, don't fe- I feel no anxiety even though your life's falling apart. Mm-hmm. You, you need to work in a different way. You, you can't just pretend. And that's, mm-hmm. that's part of the problem with positive thinking mm-hmm. is people think or they're told, well, just by thinking positive, that's going to help. But most positive thinking, you're actually thinking negative stuff. You're going, yes, I am successful. No, I'm not. Yes, I am successful, but I know I'm really not. 
That's the message you're telling your brain. And mm. you're trying to convince your brain of, of a lie, something that isn't true, that you don't believe mm. because you think, well, if you repeat it often enough, maybe you will believe it. But all you're doing is reinforcing a lie. Oh. So this isn't about positive thinking. This isn't about pretending you don't have problems. But it's about understanding how the machine works and then gradually shifting things so that your brain can do the work, not mm. you trying to figure out what to do about your situation. You know, th this is a, another, um, another phrase to describe this, is truly letting go. And we hear a lot about this in spiritual practices. You have to let go and allow. Yes. Yes. This is what it really is. Allowing is allowing your creative brain to do its job. But you can only do that when you have some understanding. You know, just trying to b blindly believe and say, I believe, I believe, you don't believe because you don't understand. But when you understand, you don't need to believe. You just know it's true. Mm, mm. That's so that's true. why this is so important. Yeah. And it really is the core of the issue, mm. you know. Yes. And now, I'm so far, we've talked about, you know, we're working on our brains, eliminating fear, anxiety, and that way we're able to also, you know, deal with problems and also let go of problems and have that ideal kind of life. But how can we relate all of this to our relationships and our marriages, for example? Like, so far, we've talked about ourselves, working on ourselves to become better, enhancing our brain power. But now we, we've done that on ourselves as individuals. But, you know, we have to relate with other people in life, with like our husbands or wives or girlfriends, boyfriends. How can we now bring this into this situation in order to ensure that we are able to solve problems or let's go of, you know, grudges or conflict or, you know, avoid divorces, for example, or breakups like that? Well, I think the, the, the thing to do with relationships, of, and I, I'm a marriage and relationships coach as well, mm. and I have some coaching programs and they're specifically designed for people who are, are facing real problems in their marriage. You know, maybe their husband or the wife has said they want a divorce. I have a program called Save Your Marriage. It's a 30-day coaching program. And I have another seven-day program called Stop Your Divorce. Mm. And these are for people who are in that situation where they don't want a divorce. They don't want their marriage to end, but things are going really badly. But here's the thing about it, about how fear plays its role. When you are afraid, when you... Say you're, when you think about your marriage or your relationship, no matter where it's at, if, but if it's unhappy, even if it's not facing immediate divorce or the threat of divorce, but maybe if it is, if you're really worried about what you think that might mean, in other words, what are your underlying fears about that happening, mm -hmm. then you're going to do all the wrong things mm -hmm. because you're, you're in your survival brain. Your brain can't solve that problem. Your brain can't heal your marriage when you're feeling stressed, worried, and anxious. And we see this because people come to me, one of the first things they realize is they're doing all, the, all of the wrong things. They're trying to save their marriage and make their relationship work, and they end up pushing their husband or their wife further away because of what they're doing, because they're so stressed. So they do things like want to talk about it and want to change the person's, other person's mind and beg and plead and ask them, please don't, you know, let's, let's go to counseling. Let's fix this. And the other person's checking out and, and, and they're saying, I don't want to be in a relationship with somebody like this who's all stressed and putting all this pressure on me. So it mm -hmm. actually makes things worse. So the key to, it, to everything, including your relationship, and your, is to healing it, is to, to get rid of fear. Because when you get rid of fear, you're not worried about what's going to happen. Mm. Your husband or your wife wants to leave, you have to respect them for that because you're not worried about what that means for you. You're not worried about ending up on your own and not finding someone else or feeling a failure or your children being harmed. You've got rid of all of those fears. And when you've got rid of your fears, you're the best that you can be. You're this wonderful person that your husband or your wife is probably going to turn around and say, oh, I've forgotten how attractive they are. Mm. They're such a great person because you're being yourself. Maybe I should change my mind. I'd be mad to leave somebody like that. The only reason I wanted to leave was because they weren't very nice to be around. But now they're, they're like their old self. And all of that comes from releasing your fear. So when you release all your fears, the ones you don't even know you have as, as well, and you, and you release all these stress and anxiety, your creative brain kicks in. It creates the best version of you. The best You're being the best that you can be. And all of the things that are right for you mm. are, are, are in your life. Mm. And it might be the marriage you're in is not right for you. 
or it might be that it is, but you're never going to know if it's right for you unless you're being right for yourself. True. So it works for everything. And, you know, I've seen so many people who've worked through my coaching for their marriage who've seen a transformation in their relationship, mm. not because they've transformed the marriage, but because they've transformed themselves. Mm. And then mm. their husband or wife goes, wow, they're the person I want to be with, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, and that's true. There's no fear in their relationship, and, they, and both people can be themselves. Both people can have a great time. They're not worried about what the other might say or do or, you know, who wants to live like that? It's living way below your potential when you're worried about things. You're not mm-hmm. acting your best, and, and we know that from a biological perspective. That's true. So it's very helpful for, it certainly is very helpful for marriage and relationships. Yeah. Everything comes back, you know, your life is a result of <clears throat> what your brain does for you. Mm. If it, if you're in fear, it's going to create problems because it's not designed to handle problems. Mm. It's not designed to fix your life in a fear-based state. But if you're feeling good, if you've changed, if you've got rid of these fears that are irrational, your brain is going to do the work, create for you the perfect life. And it's hard to believe when you don't understand that that's how the brain works. But once you start doing it, once you just give a little bit of trust and you start to see the right things show up without you having to struggle, you trust it more and more because you understand that's how it works. And that's when things really start to take off in your life. Mm. Wow, that's so beautiful, Liam. Thank you so much for everything you taught me this episode about, you know, the power of the brain, the four parts of the brain that's so important. And, you know, talking about problems, letting go of fear and anxiety, how to eliminate them also, and how that leads to, you know, having to live an ideal life, a happier life, a more fulfilled life. That's really opened my eyes a lot. Thank you so much for this awesome conversation. I really appreciate it, Liam. Great. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, Toby. Thank you. Thank you. So if people want to get across to you, connect with you, maybe ask more questions, what's the best way to do that? Everything about me and all of the stuff is on my website, which is just my name, Mm liamnaden.com. I have a podcast there called Using Your Brain for Success. I have coaching programs about using your brain and also about marriage and relationships. And I've also got, um, if people would like to download a free audio, which I call Solve Your Problem, it's a neuro-rebalancing experience which shifts your brain from the problem state mm-hmm. to your creative state in a quick way. So if, you've got, if people have got a problem, they're not sure what to do, this is a way of getting your creative brain to work on the problem and come up with a solution for you. It's like a quick fix, if you like. Mm. It's not my full-blown coaching program. It doesn't work permanently, but it will help a lot. So people can find that on my website as well. Awesome. I'll place the link to your website in the show notes of this episode. I encourage everyone who is listening so far to click on the link, get the book, get on the coaching program, and be blessed also. Thank you so much. Thanks, Toby. Wow. You made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.